Hey, guess who's back? Another episode of the Moonlighters Club. And we have a milestone. This is the first woman to ever be in the Moonlighters Club. Ever. It's history. It's, it's the best thing that's ever happened to us. Uh, and actually, the first married couple as well. Uh, this is the better half, like that, of, of a former guest, uh, a, a previous guest. Uh, what's your name? Zoe Righteous. So righteous, really? Yeah, okay. did okay. not change that. That's awesome. When we got I married, saw the way you're. You did. You didn't. No, because it's it's a weird last name. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you pronounced that for me because I thought it was I thought it was Reich. I didn't know. So it probably is. Yeah. It's German. I'm not uh, German. I think we stole it. Really? Like, yeah, generations back. No one really knows where it came from, but there's only four of us. I feel like that's how the world worked back then. Right? Just yes. Everything. Yes. Plan, names. <laughs> yeah. People. Yeah. So uh, it's uh, probably German, and we probably mispronounce it. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you for coming. And breaking the curse. I'm pumped to be here. I'm uh, so pumped to yeah, be the first vagina awesome. on the show. That's, that's awesome as well. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, let's let's get right into it. Let's do uh, it. So where are you from? So I, I grew up all over. Uh, I was born in Ohio. Then I lived in Minnesota. Yes, awesome. It was awesome. Very happy 10 years. And then I lived in Nashville for a couple years. And then I lived in Connecticut for a couple years, and then I moved to Boston for college and have been here since then. Which one was the worst? Nashville. Really? Nashville's Serious fun. culture shock. I was like 11, maybe 10, and I called all the adults by their first names because that's how we did it in Minnesota. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got in a lot of trouble because it was supposed to be like Mr. and Miss. And I went to this really conservative school that was supposed to be secular but it totally wasn't and I was like the only Jewish kid and we like said psalms every morning or is it palms I can't even no, psalms is right there you go <laughs> every morning and it was terrible uh, or is it psalms I don't know especially in that region of the country there's not a lot of Jewish people there's like New York Boston Los Angeles and then just big gaping holes of Christianity yeah there's there there's not a lot of Jews uh, and it's not even something I really identify with except that like in lacking the knowledge of being not Jewish like there anything other than Jewish I don't have that knowledge so Nashville was like it was it was a culture shock and it was uh, it was a rough year for the family. We kind of moved down there and there was like a lot of transitioning and craziness. And then we moved to Connecticut, um, and yeah, so I moved around a lot. So I don't know where I'm from. Uh, well, you're a Bostonian now. We'll just we'll just claim you. Yeah, I try to not have an accent. Yeah, it's That's not a like good my one. Goal. It was ranked actually. Boston accent on women was ranked the worst one to have. I believe it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty not disgusting. Flattering. Yeah. You like it here? Uh, yeah, I do. I really like parts of Boston. I, I really think that it has a long way to go as a urban city too. Yeah. What do you not like about it here? It's, it's kind of conservative. It is. Uh, public transportation. That's rough. That's. It's the main mode of transportation I use to get around, and it's not super reliable. Uh, I think we were just in Philly for the weekend, and I forget how segregated Boston is until I'm in a city that's less segregated. That's, isn't that funny? Like, growing up, 
in Boston, all I knew was segregation. So I just thought that everyone was happier that way. That went to other cities. I'm like, we should be living next door. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. This is weird. Yeah. Why are we all talking to each other? Like it was it was so it was so odd. It is odd. Uh so that would be really something I would love to see, Boston getting along um, in a way that we don't and haven't historically right, right now. We're getting there. Yeah, I think there are strides um, for sure. Yeah. Well, that was an awesome small talk. It was great. Yeah. Let's get right into the Let's thick of things. It. Let's do this. What do you do by day? You can be vague as you want. Or specific as you want. What do you? What? What, what is your trade? Yeah. Your so trade. I work at a community nonprofit in human resources. How did you pick human resources? Was it in it, what? It was a college. And you're like, all right, this is it. Boom. So to be totally honest, I fell into it. I have more college debt than than cute puppies are in the world. I have a lot of college debt, so I uh, snuck into the school of management which i was not in snuck into their business fair job fair senior year and i started talking to companies and i was like yeah i really uh i don't have a business background but like maybe human resources yeah. thinking that maybe that would pay the bills essentially um and so that's it, it that was my first job nice and that's kind of where i've been ever since so it was it was an accident um it's given me a ton of insight into both the corporate and nonprofit world though so um, I feel like, you know, everything's a learning experience. Besides the person who runs the place, I feel like everyone hates human resources. Like, I always feel like they're out to fire me. Yeah. Because I like to just talk. I don't, you know, I'm pretty open in the office. And yeah. I feel like if I really tell them, like, hey, man, the guy who owns this place, he's a dick. Like, yeah. I, I just don't see that working out. You know, I don't see it playing to where they're going to, like, all right, we have your back. We're going to just fire the CEO. He's gone. Right. Yeah. I think it's such a balancing act. And, you know, I think now being in HR, I have learned so much about how decisions are made and what I actually I think the thing I really struggled with is that perception of what HR is versus how I feel as a person, because I think if I was on the other non-human resources side, I'd probably would be that loud person around the office. Right. And it takes all of it's so it's so not my natural state to be the more reserved listener and think about things from the perspective of the company. Can HR people have friends within the company? That's a great question. That is such a good question. Um, HR tends to be a really tight-knit team everywhere I've worked. We're really close with each other, more so than external people, and that's really tough. Yeah. It is, yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you attempt it? Like, it's weird. Like, you have to talk to people you work with. Can you, like, do you go for beers? Like, I just don't know what... It's, all of it is, you know, you've got to keep it within boundaries and um, be smart about it, and I tend to be a gatherer and a community focused person and that's definitely been one of the challenges being in HR is it fairly stressful is it is it pretty are there peaks and valleys or is it yeah pretty, peaks and valleys uh, like anything it's kind of a cyclical year there's times that are more stressful there's performance reviews open enrollment I mean there's just yeah there's peaks and valleys and there are obviously really confidential situations that can be really stressful and it's right. not like you can turn to your coworker and be like man this is stressful uh, so that's, yeah. you know, for a day job, it can have its dramatic ups and downs. I would like to, I would like to fire someone. 
I know that's. A, I would like someone who deserves it though. Someone who's got money. You know, you know I have I just, a really wise, brilliant manager who's been in the field for decades, and no matter how awful the situation and how deserving the term, like the person you're firing is going to be of being fired, it's always so tough. You're really playing with people's lives and money and well-being and. This just brought the mood way down, but I think I used oh, to no, feel that way totally too. Fine. And I no. feel like I feel like you got to take everything seriously, and it's it's an unpleasant task. As much as I agree with you, like I want to fire that jerk. They've been so mean to me. Like that's somebody's livelihood. If am I allowed? I'm trying to start a business. Am I allowed to still angry fire people like they used to do in the movies? Like, hey, Jim, guess what? Get the fuck out. Or do I have to go through a whole protocol? Because I kind of want to tell someone at some point in my life. To get the fuck out and then have to, you know, then they gotta leave. Yeah, like a roommate. You should do it to a roommate. If I did it at a company, is that okay or is that illegal? I think you should do it to a roommate. Um, I mean, I kick people out of my house. It's not the same. No, I'm but just like, kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm messing with you. So I think um, <laughs> it depends. It depends on what kind of employment agreement you have. Okay, I can actually put that in my agreement. Like Joel can tell you to get the hell out and you gotta go. So most employees in Massachusetts are at will employees. <laughs> That's right. That means I can kind of do that, right? It kind of does. It kind of does. That's exactly. Awesome. Yep. And then they're eligible for unemployment. And guess who might have to pay that? Yeah, you're right about that. Womp right. womp. Yeah, nothing is as fun as it seems. No. So yeah. let's 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 get up. Let's get to the let's fun get up part. Yeah. So you do this by day. What are your because you have interesting ventures you have a lot of stuff going on what do you want to talk about first uh what do i want to talk about first let's talk about the oldest one let's go old so i'm a magician like cards coins ropes sleight of hand that is awesome nerdy stage stuff Uh, i've been doing it since i was 10 it's great i think it made moving around a lot easier. No one can tell I'm smiling. Like, that's, I, that's just so, that's so cool. It's just as nerdy as you think. I'm basically Job from Arrested Development. When I was 10, I used to carry around this like 4 by 4 inch red silk, and I would just go up to anyone and be like, do you want to watch this disappear? And I would make it disappear, and then I would make it reappear. Uh, and that's like how I made friends, which is so yeah. sad. Yeah. I guess it worked, kind of, maybe. Um, I when I was twelve, I started going to Magic Camp. Nice. There's a Magic Camp. It's one week every summer. Um, it's like super intensive magic. So it's like two hours of class, two hours of lecture, two hours of workshop, two hours of professional shows every night. Um, there's competitions, there's evaluations, the staff is all volunteer, most of them are professional full-time magicians. It's an incredible community, it's pretty small, there's a very skewed ratio of boys to girls. This year it was like 149 boy campers to 12 or 13 girl campers. Yeah, why is that? There's so much sexism in the magic world, you know? There's Did not, you know that? There's, there's, is that there, something you're no, saying? Like there, you no, no, seriously. There, there aren't a lot of female magicians. Growing up, there were only guys. Like, even the big ones. You had the Copperfields, Pinatellers, like, even the street Plains, guys, the David Plains. There aren't a lot of female that I know about, you know? So I don't know if... You're totally right. It's definitely a male-dominated world. Do you have any idea why? I really don't know why. I don't know. I don't. The I outfits, don't possibly. I don't feel... I just feel... Yeah. I mean, I think it was started... It was a field... Well, 
Well, I don't know. I go back and forth on this because I'm like, well, witchcraft. Like, right. that's no, a yeah, witch. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah. Like, way back in the day. <laughs> Did that scare them away? The fact that if they did know magic, they'd be burned. Maybe. Yeah, that's, maybe that's it. That's it. <laughs> or then I'm like, okay, modern day, like, that's Houdini, right? And he was, like, Hungarian immigrant, like, kind of making it, like, with his, uh, like, hustling, his own business, kind of worked his way up. And that seemed kind of more like a male-dominated, like, job an immigrant would have right would be like going out there and hustling and i think he really kind of made magic famous in the modern day way that it is now and then maybe it took off from there but honestly i have no idea why um i've been encouraged my entire magic career by female and male magicians like to stick with it and but but there's that subtle sexism there's that like subtle microaggression in any field that's dominated by one gender or the other where like People will be impressed if I can do a basic card move. Mm, yeah. They'll be like, that's so good. You do the classic pass? That's right. so good for a girl. <laughs> it's like, wait. Really? <laughs> so furrowing my eyebrows. So ridiculous. <laughs> Just flipping cards around. I'm like, oh, yay. Yeah, like, oh, you're right. Like, I don't have as good of fine motor skills because I was born as a girl. Womp womp. I had a blast kind of trying to make it my own, and it's definitely a long-term goal to try to keep making it my own and uh, holding myself to the same standard that everyone else is held to. And for the record, there are some really talented 12-year-olds out there. Every year it's incredible, like, the amount of talent, the, the way magic has changed, whether it's through YouTube, through accessibility to DVDs, right. local magic clubs. Like, the generation above me... And especially the generation above them is really white old guys. Like that's who ran magic. And I feel like that's they ran changing. everything though. Everything. Like magic, not magic. Everything. Yeah. There's hardly any exceptions. Hat industry, yeah, anything. Hat industry, <laughs> yeah. Those damn hat people. Yeah, I think so I think it's changing a lot. And it's exciting to be a part of that. It's complicated too. Like there have been a couple times where I've really respected magicians, and I'd show them something, and they'd be like, oh, have you thought about just doing comedy? It's like, oh. This is so cool. How often do you get to do shows? Um, so let's see. My jam is Walk Around Magic, so like impromptu. Uh, I hostess at a restaurant on the weekends. <clears throat> So you like, have a straight up, wait a second, I don't even know about that. Like, you Yeah, have a, I have like a part-time gig because okay. those college loans. And I I love the hospitality industry. My family owned a restaurant for years, grew up with it. What was it called? So it, it closed. So it was called Zole because I'm the favorite kid. Mm, nice. Uh, how do your siblings feel about that? Uh, <laughs> I think it's actually because I was the youngest and the other ones were in college. That's what I like to tell them. Yeah. Um, and and where I work now is Puritan and Company in Inman Square. Check it out. It's awesome. I love it there. I've been there for longer than I've been at my full-time job. Nice. Um, and I, I do magic for the staff. I do magic for the kitchen staff. Um, and then organize shows. Stefan, my husband, who was on a different episode, and I have been putting on variety shows. So we'll rent out a theater. He'll rap. I'll do magic. We have a couple acoustic bands. Last time we did it, we had a storyteller. We had some tarot card readers. We had some art for sale that we have brought back 
um, from our recent trip to Ghana, and all of the proceeds go to a school that we're building in Ghana. Transition segue. That's actually are you done with? Like, was there anything magic related that I need to know? Um. Also, I do a lot of walk around at breweries, which is awesome. So next time you're in a brewery, you know, plug, qu- plug it to them. Quick question. Do you use your magic for evil at times? That's a great question. Probably in the history of ever, I have, but I definitely tend to use it now for purely entertainment. It is also an art form. I... I take it seriously, but I don't take it as seriously as I should, and I'm making a pact with myself to take it more seriously. I mean, if you think, I mean, it sound, it's just not something that you hear that often, right. but the fact that Penitella live in Vegas, those dudes sell out shows, you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. not, this is like, this is, people make money off of this thing. Like, yeah, David Copperfield yeah. is now the richest person in Vegas, and he just bought the most expensive house ever sold in Vegas. That's so crazy. Has a golf course in it. That's so good. And a nightclub. It never gets old. And an infinity pool. He never gets old. I remember he had this TV special in the nineties where like he was on a train car and you like were touching the TV screen and somehow he knew what like card you picked. Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like you had the aces face. I'm like, this dude can see through the television. It's It's true, that's how he did it. It's crazy. He had eyes in every television. Yeah, he's the man. I mean it's uh it's a really, it's such an interesting art. In some ways, I think it's, I do think it's undervalued, but also it's more complicated than anyone but a magician can possibly understand. No. Like, a magician's always two steps ahead. So if you're acting, like, you're on stage, you're blocking, you're practicing, a magician is doing all of that. Yeah. And has gimmicks, gadgets, secrets, already set up a trick you don't even know about. Like, it's, it's it's some serious stuff. I mean, I really respect people who can make it work for a living, too. That's It's crazy. It's self-promotion. It's deception. It's mysterious. It's keeping that secret hidden. Right. And it's demanding respect for an art form that I think has really been not always taken seriously. It's the internet, man. The internet ruined everything. You know, everyone thinks they can do everything now. The mystique is gone. All the people with the behind-the-scenes shows that came out. Oh, man, The Masked Magician. I used to watch that when I was younger. And I don't think it, those were ever good. Like, I don't know. Like, I never yeah, was... Yeah, that uh, was really controversial for yeah. magicians, too. There were some secrets that's just, they that won't be told, you know? Yeah. Like, and that's awesome. And there are things YouTube can't teach you, but it's really revamped the way we've taught kids at Magic Camp and, like... We don't teach them the tricks as much. We teach them the theories and the history and how to respect it. That's pretty awesome. Now let's do that. Let's jump on a plane. Let's go to Ghana. Let's go to Ghana. What did, where did that, how did that even come up? Yeah. So I went to junior year of high school in Ghana at a school uh, called Holy Child. It was an all-girls Catholic boarding school. Nice. So I was like a Jewish day Wait, student. Wait, oh yeah, I just realized that. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I learned so many prayers. Um, so I stayed with a host family, a Ghanaian host family. I okay. found this guy on the internet who was like, yeah, cool. I will, I will pick you up from the airport and drop you off with this family and enroll you in this school and connect you with this orphanage. And I was like, great. And I'm the third kid, so my parents were like, okay, bye. 
you do you. It was awesome. Best six months of my life. My host family was incredible. I like was living with them. They had young kids. I was going to school every day. Nice. Um, I was at the orphanage on the weekends, and then like after school ended, I was there for a couple months every day, teaching, hanging out, learning stuff. Uh, definitely recommend anybody sees any abroad opportunity. Uh, yeah, so I kept in touch with everybody there, and this was, like, I had a cell phone there, and it was, like, 07, and I, like, played Snake on it. Like, that's all it did. Yeah. And I would have to load it up manually with credits, and, like, it is crazy what's happened in the last decade. I mean, I was, like, on Facebook in the middle of Ghana on my iPhone a couple months ago. Nice. That's crazy. So uh, I stayed connected with them. I went back summers in college. I got a couple grants to do some research in other parts of West Africa that also afforded me the like opportunity to go back to Ghana, stayed with my host family, hung out at the orphanage, um, just met some really cool people, made some good friends. And then um, fast forward, Steph and I were like talking about getting married and talking about how it would work for us in a way that felt not selfish or cliche and came up with this idea to, instead of have a gift registry, contact the orphanage in Ghana, ask them what they need, and have our community here help out a community that I feel really strongly about there. Um, and then go to Ghana after our wedding and help implement this project, whatever it was. Um, and that's also part of a nonprofit philosophy that I believe in, which is letting the people who you're going to be giving money to tell you what they need. Uh, right? Yeah, so, like, I yeah. might walk in there and be like, all right, you guys really need a nurse living here, right? Because, like, malaria or whatever. But how would I know? I'm not there. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Um, so we asked them, and they said they want a school. They want a school that's going to elevate the entire community, which is 12 villages surrounding the orphanage, and they want to, like, this educational infrastructure and facility will help elevate this entire community out of poverty. There's just not a school like that in the area. There are schools, they're public, they're underfunded, they're overcrowded. Yeah. Um, if they can get this private school they'll be able to basically help the entire area. And education there really is the key out of poverty. It's it's a great country. It has everything going for it, and it has a really strong educational infrastructure for such a new country. It's 57 years old, right? Yeah. Like, it's a young, young country. They're still figuring everything out. They were, you know, under colonial rule for how many years? So this is a, it's a brand-new country, figuring things out for the first time, starting from negative 100 and really emphasizing the right things. So uh, we they hired an architect and gave us a quote, and they want to make it a three-story building. We told them we would be responsible for the first floor. Um, they quoted us between fifty dollars and $55,000, and that's what our goal is. To date, we've raised over $32,000. What? We took... So we had our wedding. It was super fun. We had variety shows that raised a couple thousand dollars. We really reached out to the widest networks we could get to. Um, we like our wedding was in the Times, which we were hoping would bolster 
I saw you guys on TV, actually. We were on TV. That actually did help. The the news helped a lot more. Someone, like, plugged us. We didn't even know about it. We got a call New Year's Day. They were like, it's WCVB. Can we interview you? That was great. Random people donated. Uh... The Times featured us in their wedding section. That did not help as much. <laughs> uh, a couple real wealthy people who actually read the Times donated. Yeah. So there's a lot of complicated reasons that it's hard to raise this amount of money. Primarily, we're not a 501c3. We're not a um, tax-deductible nonprofit. Oh, so we have been really using small gifts. People can't deduct taxes from it. So it's that been was, uh, more corporate speak. That was more corporate speak. So with corporate speak, he on, does. On yeah, previous episode. So leads into this episode. That's perfect. That was awesome. Um, yeah, he had a couple lines that I uh, I want to take credit for them because I worked in real corporate America, investment firm style, and they actually did call brown people diversity kids. So you wrote his bars, basically, is what I'm basically <laughs> saying. I'm the ghostwriter of all of his raps, and it's not him being talented. It's, okay, there you go. It's me ghostwriting. Um, yeah, so that happened and it's still going on and we have tried to capitalize on our own, uh, our own non-money-making, non-professional world talents. So Steph Raps, I do magic. We have kind of built a community around us of other performers and like-minded artists and we've put on these really successful shows that are a total blast raise money for the school, um, and also are just in general a good time. And, yeah, we each kind of do some things that aren't aren't seen a lot around Boston, so that's how, been really cool. How do you not have a nervous breakdown? Like, that, I just don't understand. How are you two so well-balanced? It upsets me because I'm not well-balanced, and I'm like <laughs> one, I'm like one yelling at, from a higher up to just going straight pulse. Yeah, I feel you, man. But They're, you're like nice, you're pleasant. We drink a lot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, honestly, I've been thinking about the idea of balance a lot. Usually at like Saturday, Saturday nights, 11 o'clock, when I'm like finishing up a shift at the restaurant, I'm like having serious FOMO because all my friends are out hanging. Like, then I think about balance and how it's so important to focus on. I think to stay focused on your goals, but also take care of yourself and try to find a balance where you can do both. And that's so hard, man. Like, that's like, I work because I have to. Yeah. And that means I don't have the time to do things that I want to do. And that's so sad. And, like, there are times where we're like, can we just move somewhere where we can actually do what we want to do? Or cost of living is low and community is like the number one thing driving people's actions. And I actually think paces really exist like that. And I don't think this like nine to five grind, go home and work on what you want to work on or go to another shift at a different job. I don't think it's sustainable or healthy. And like, I don't know what to do about it. So I don't think, I don't actually think I am particularly balanced. I like get all wound up about it. And To me, it's, my the place I work at actually is not a bad place. I just hate dedicating re, like my personal resources to something. It doesn't work. Doesn't have an end game. You know what I mean? Like when you're doing when you're working at some, it could be an investment firm, accounting firm, it could be a startup, it could be anything. The, when the work you're doing 
you just do it and go home. You're like, I didn't really do anything. Like if I'm if I'm, I make a product or I have a show, I sold a ticket like that. I just did something for a payoff. Yeah, I feel like that buy-in and, pardon me, value add is critical to people's happiness and self-worth. And I certainly envision myself ultimately working for what I'm passionate about 24 hours a day, right? Yeah, like, I'm, right. I'm like you. I'm willing to put in the work. Exactly. I want to put the hours in, but I want a product that I can see, touch, feel, and, like, feel good about. And I know that's really what's the word I'm looking for that's totally like you can swear if you want if you can't think of the word no, just you and um, utopian I guess there you go. to think that there's a lifestyle that fits all of the things that I'm into yeah. where I'm not also on that daily grind but I don't know what it is or where it is and I'm constantly asking people. My mom's an educator. My mom has been passionate about education yeah. her entire life. And I'm like, how do you? How did you know? And like, what is it like to do what you love day in and day out for your profession? Right. It's hard. Like she was, she was born to be an educator. That's yeah. just what she was born to be. And I'm so envious yeah. that she can get up and do what she wants to do every day. And we'll do for her whole life. You know, I don't have something like that. I have things that I'm passionate about and that I love. And then I have bills I have to pay and they don't mix. It's, it's so interesting to say that. It's funny, like we, for our listeners, we record this podcast after work hours. So in my head, I'm thinking when I invite someone to do the trailer, I'm like, oh, I don't know, I just got off. Whenever I tell someone what we're going to do is talk about what you really want to do with your life and what your passion is, they're like, I'll be there in 12 seconds. You know what I mean? Like, I'll, I could talk, and every single time we've done it, you, the, the, the amount of enthusiasm you see, it's so infectious, first of all. But you're like, yeah, that's, this is what we should be doing, you know? Right. Like, it, the fact is, debt is what drives 90% of the people who are on the bus and train are just miserable all day. And yeah. then you just sit around and look, and everyone's just bumming each other, mean. None of us actually want to go where we're going. We're right. fighting just to not get fired right. and just to pay off stuff we have to do. But right. none of you really feel like this, is a, this isn't a dream. You know what I mean? We don't, this isn't our destiny to work in a cubicle or even a, a nice open office just doing spreadsheets for the rest of our life. You know? that, I'm, that's, I'm nodding. I'm nodding a lot. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. I also, so I'm envious of people like my mom who are like, I know what I want to do. I want to be an educator, and I'm doing it, and it's my livelihood. And I'm also envious of people who love the things that actually make money. Uh, like, I'm a business consultant for a giant company and it is awesome and I make so much money and I don't know if like sometimes I'm like all right maybe I should just do that and then I'm like could I even do that do I even like do I have what it takes and if I did it would I be happy just because I was making more money I think it's because those people may not have souls I just I I was talking to my girlfriend and there are a lot of people who like I know people who go to business school and make great money it's so rare though that they're genuinely right. happy. Yeah, and then, I agree. I've met like 2% of them who do it and they still retain their personality. It's mm. weird. It like bleeds into you. It's like, because I feel like if you're, if I'm a business consultant or a really good CEO, CFO, whatever may have you, I'm probably not going to act like this anymore. It's your life. Yeah, your probably. Life. Yeah, yeah, probably just like, no, we got some revenue, oh, property tax. Like, I just feel like you have to give it. Like, you can't 
you can't have that dual mindset anymore. You gotta throw everything in there. Right, yeah. I, I agree. And I, I sort of wonder like if I don't know. I like to think that no doors are closed and you can do whatever and be whatever, but I wish that we didn't socialize people to want to be those things. Right. Yeah. Like I wish we didn't teach people and like our our society is structured that way, right? Like the CEO's at the top and they make the most money and then it trickles down. Right. But I wish it wasn't like that. I wish it wasn't like Every rich white kid was told that they're going to run a company. It's it's so like a lot of kids. <laughs> college taught me how to be a really good employee. I, I realized way too like late, a cop. like way like, like, like way too machine. late. They were like, no. And I remember there was like like a resume class we took towards the end. Like this is how you talk in the interview. I'm like, I don't like the tone of any of this. Like I don't like totally. just laugh at these jokes. Make sure that you dress a certain way and. They, I remember the. I felt really bad for the girls who we had classes with because they were just like, "You can't wear this. You have to wear like pantsuit, shoulder pads." That was it. Shoulder and pads, they were just huh? like basically getting us ready to just be told to do it for the rest of our lives. And it yeah, was so disheartening. It is. It totally is. And I like to think we're moving away from that, but and encouraging, you know, all sorts of different economies. But the number of people I know who actually get to do, you know, who don't work for a small to big business who don't work for someone and who can make a living is so few. Yeah. And it's really, I mean, when you think about who it is who can do that, it's, you know, they're not necessarily self-made. They're not. They have a safety net. And it's just, it's definitely a big society issue, right? Like, And then it's like, oh, you do this every day and you get three weeks of vacation all year. It's like, wait. What kind of balance? Yeah, is no, that? no, yeah, it's yeah. Like we, you literally end up sleeping four hours a night when you yeah. do what you want to do. When yeah. you when you make time for yourself, you make time for like the people in your community you want to see. You make time for your hobbies. You make time for your passions. You make time for your actual job. I mean, there's just not enough hours in a day, and I don't know. I mean, I'm constantly. I'm there's not a day that goes by where I don't ask someone, "What do I want to be when I grow up? Yeah. What do I do with my life?" and Every year I go to magic camp, which is awesome, and I come back being like, why don't I incorporate more magic into my life? Yes. Why don't I book these shows? And then part of it is because like, I'm totally afraid. I'm afraid to fail. I'm afraid I'm not going to have practice enough. I'm afraid I'm going to give magic a bad name. Right. I'm afraid I'm going to be that like sucky girl magician. But, you know, it's like I finally came to the realization this year that like if I put in the work, the product's going to get better. So. You're, gonna, you're going to have to do more magic. That's yeah, it. that's how, that's yeah. it. That's it. That um, just it. Yeah, it's very very opposite my day job. Yeah, they're they're really different parts of my brain. So I gotta make a more concerted effort to like wake that part up. Right, that's the creative part, and I miss that part. Yeah, the corporate world is just gonna chew you up. Man, you it's so that. sad. It's yeah. like in college, you're like it's so bright eyed and bushy tailed and. Everything is inspirational and wonderful, and the world is so great. And then it just kind of fizzles. Yeah. And, like, what you love, you're discouraged from loving. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and that's what we're hoping to do is to do more of what we love. Yeah. Speaking of love, look at this transition. What's it like being married to someone with entrepreneurial visions? Because I feel like most people, including myself, you know, my, my girlfriend definitely has business, business ideas. But how is that? Like, is it... I feel like you'd have a better support system because you both understand the importance of wanting to do what you really want to do. Yeah, I think it's great. <laughs> that was nice. That was nice. You paused before. That was good. <laughs> um, it is awesome. It's 
constantly encouraging to be partnered with someone who never takes never thinks enough is enough in a good way so like what's next and how can I make this better and what else can I do and like really is not afraid to dream big which I am totally afraid to do part of that I think comes from like the field I'm in on a day-to-day basis I'm just really risk averse part of it comes from like I have really high cost of living because of my crazy debt and that makes me risk averse but that's stupid because if you don't take risks nothing is ever going to happen and that's what it's like being married to someone who's not afraid to take those risks and I mean I think baseline we agree on enough things that need to stay so like we have to pay rent right (laughs) and like we have to eat yeah and externally like everything else is fine yeah like as long as you can pay rent and for groceries like you do you get the equipment that you need to do talk to the people you need to talk to to make sure that you can get whatever it is that you're doing off the ground and that support's thrown back at me. But also there's, like, yeah, he goes into his man cave and records at, like, 6 in the morning and then goes back at night. But I'm doing stuff, too. And that's kind of like, all right, focus time. And that's right. great because that way neither of us feel like the other one isn't putting in the time, you know? Isn't, like, putting in the, the face time. That's awesome because I feel like through my own personal experiences that – any kind of entrepreneurial work, unless it's something that's really popular, right? Like um, coding something or just any generic buzzword. Any of that work is devalued. So if you were with someone or friends with people who work nine to fives, it's like, oh, yeah, you need time off to, you know, write rhymes or, you know, do a school in Ghana. I do spreadsheets. From, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I'm you're a finance. totally right. So yeah. that's real life. Right. And it's really hard. And, no, I completely agree that a lot of people are super pumped to, like, get out of work and go grab a couple beers. And, like, that's your night. And that's my favorite thing to do ever. And I never get to do it. And I know I only don't get to do it because I'm like, nope, you structured your day to go practice this magic. Like, to go contact this potential donor for your school. To go do the laundry that you haven't done in a month because you've been doing all the other stuff. And, like, man, I'm jealous of those people who grab a beer after work. So jealous. So jealous. Like, the, the time you're not working on what you want to be working on is, like, it's just so painful. It's, so, it's it so, is, and you're just watching hours go, like, oh, my God. It's so hard to be in the moment in those situations. And, like, sometimes they're really necessary because you actually do need a break to get – um, distance from whatever it is that you're working on. Yeah. Distance and perspective can be really powerful, but yeah, it's. I agree that it's not super valued. I mean, I think I saw a Facebook status from a professional magician a long time ago that was like, someone starts a new job at a big company, 300 likes. Someone starts their own company, two likes. Yeah, and it's so true. It we don't true. we don't encourage that, and that's probably the fault of all the big corporations that have allowed us or encouraged us to think that way. But back to the original question, which was how is it to be someone to be with someone with those entrepreneurial uh, focuses? I, yeah, I think it's great and hard to 
it's hard to resent that, right? Like, no. someone's working for something that they want. All you can do is encourage them and also think about what you want to do and how you want to spend your time and be a part of whatever it is that they're making. Yeah. Um, you kind of hit the jackpot. He's a great guy. He's all right. <laughs> he's okay. <laughs> yeah, I was, talking to my, I was talking to my mom yesterday, who's awesome in case no one's figured that out yet. And she was like, how's Steph? And I was like, oh, he's great. Like, we were in Philly talking about, like, how he really wants to start his own business. But, like, got it. Like, he has to keep working. And my mom was like, you guys are both doers. Like, you're going to get it done. You're going to, like, there's not enough hours in the day for either of you. And, like, it makes for a good match, right? I think I think the energy levels are high. The expectations that the other one is going to, meet their goal or set high goals and meet it is also high. Um, And so it's easy to be encouraging. But, like, literally there are Saturday nights where Steph will be home working on music and I'm at the restaurant, you know, hating my life even though I love the restaurant, just (laughs) hating that I, like, feel like I can't have a Saturday night, you know? And I'm like, well, this is our life right now. Like, it would be awesome to watch a movie. Just kidding, I don't like movies. It It would be awesome to... What do we do in our free time? Have a beer. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Do you feel like when you're not working, because you have a lot of stuff going on on the side, that when you're not, when you're actually enjoying yourself, right? Having a beer, doing something leisurely uh, while you're not at your nine to five, but you're not working on the school in Ghana, you're not doing magic. Do you feel like you're kind of wasting yourself? Right. Can you really enjoy life the way, you know? other people can because I personally I don't think I can like there are times I'll like I'll look at going on vacation it's like I don't want to I don't want to go I kind of want to just sit here and work I don't yeah so I totally agree and I think it's a total curse because I completely don't know how to chill or relax I remember my dad being like when I was little I was like really stressing out I was like 16 stressing out about this paper I had to write like, really stressing out. And it was Sunday night. It was due Monday. And he was like, what's wrong with you? And I was like, I don't know what to write about this paper. And he was like, you need to chill. Go have a beer. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, 16-year-old Zoe was super pumped to go have a beer. But I, like, opened it, and I, like, had a sip of it. And then I took some vodka, and I poured it in the beer. Nice. That's that's actually not nice at all. That's, no, it's that's disgusting. So. But I drank it all, and then I was like, Oh, this is what it feels like to be relaxed. And it was the best. Like, (laughs) not the healthiest, but I feel like you you do what you got to do to get there, which sounds terrible. But, like, that can be hanging out with friends for 20 minutes and then being like, okay, I'm going to go back to it because, like, I wanted to see you, but I also needed to do this other thing. You know, it is. It's so hard to relax. It's so hard to relax. I think I've always been really high strung and like, I don't know, motivated out of guilt. I don't know where that guilt's coming from, but I have it. I'm just like, I'm not good enough. I don't deserve this. I have to work harder. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So like when we go on vacation, it's working vacation, you know, so like Ghana. Yeah. That was like our honeymoon. Nice. We were working. And uh, what else did we do? Philly, Magic Camp, working, performing, teaching. Yeah, so that's kind of our vacations. I think they tend to be change of scenery, stimulating conversation, 
and like always looking for opportunities to do stuff like nice. steps performed in uh where have you performed this year yeah i feel like when we go away you always perform um, terrible yeah example. i mean I, yeah i performed at magic camp um i performed in ghana i yeah i mean i just try to find like open mics or nice wherever whatever wherever i go yeah so always looking for opportunities but it would be so awesome to just chill and relax and yeah. like actually not worry about it it'd be great let me know if you figure out how to do that i will i, I yeah beer <laughs> yeah know, that's what i kind of go to having a beer and like yeah but the to-do list is always it's always there yeah it's always there it's always there it's such a curse <laughs> so move, let me ask moving forward what's your greatest area of opportunity that goes along juggling these things. Where do you think, if I work on this, maybe this will go a little more smoothly? So I think, um, I think I need to get out there with magic more. I think that is the greatest potential for doors to open that actually will matter. Meaning, you meet a ton of people when you perform. Yeah. Um, those people may be totally interested in, oh, I don't know, helping us close the gap in our funding for our school. Yeah. They also might be interested in more bookings, spreading the news around. So, like, magic pays really well. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a huge, huge believer in charging for your art form, right? Don't yeah. devalue it. Never do it for free. I basically don't do magic when someone asks me to show them a trick. Yeah. Like, it just, it doesn't do it. No. I don't do it. No. Uh, it's not drugs. The first one's not free. First one's not free. No. It's not drugs. Can I use that? You can use like that. like a bumper sticker? You can go ahead. And, yeah, it's not cheap either, right? Like, I'm, I charge a really fair amount for, like, the years of work I've put into it. So if I could actually get more shows, I think that would be financially excellent. And as far as, like, my worth, my development, my future could lead to some really cool stuff. But also just continuing to try to connect this. Like, what's the story? What's the arc? What's the commonality? What's the theme in all of these crazy things that we're doing. Like, we, Steph and I, each had crazy things that we were doing on our own, and now we're combining them. And it's really exhilarating, cool, and fun, but challenging and complicated and really hard to summarize. Nice. nice. Well, I, I agree. I feel like you should. It's You're clearly passionate about it. I think you should do more shows. And hopefully, I should. Uh, I should. And I now think, it's recorded. Right, and you, now you have to stick to it. And I feel like if you do more magic shows... Hopefully your debt and self-doubt will disappear. Oh, my gosh. Did you like that? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I think about saying that for like 15 minutes. I was waiting. Had it in the pocket. Had it in the pocket. That was excellent. Uh, But, yeah, no, I I, I think that's what's most important. Just first having the passion. But, like, that's in talking to your your husband in the previous episode, just getting on stage. You know what I mean? Like, it's huge. So many people just can't even do that. That's because it's very scary. It is. It's really scary. (laughs) And if you just do it, doing it is just half of the battle. Right. It totally is. You'd be 
so much happier. It's so much more fulfilled. You know? I think so. I would like to stop being really nervous. I did not used to be so nervous when I was younger, and really? now I get like sweaty and shaky. It's terrible. Yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, when did this happen? Like, I did not used to be this nervous. Well, now let's work towards not being nervous. More magic shows. Yeah, we're close to got to do it. Closer to getting the school finished than yeah previous. So now, how about you let us know how we can help? How listeners can help? Where we can go? Totally, all support appreciated. So, Steph and I have a GoFundMe. It's called Stefan and Zoe gonna get married gonna g-h-a-n-a like the country get it we already got married but we didn't change the name because it was punny still alive live uh fundraiser um what else we got going on i'm on the facebook i'm on the instagram it's usually a smattering of like lots of things you're on the twitter at all I tried to do the Twitter. Uh, I have so one. Yeah, I'm not that good at it. I'm not active. No. I don't understand it. The retweeting and the responding confuses me. No. Yeah. We're doing a show at Night Shift Brewery on November 3rd. Uh, so this will definitely be edited by then. That's good. That's good. Okay, we'll cool. Do, we'll have it done by then. Awesome. <laughs> November 3rd, Night Shift Brewery in Everett. Variety where, show. Where do you post that? Is that both pages for the variety shows? So we usually, so it'll be on all the Facebook, it'll be on Stefan's, it's pronounced survival.com, and it'll be an Eventbrite, so you can always Google cool. it. I think it'll be an Eventbrite. What else is popping? Harvard. Um, this is a weird one. So I'll be like performing at and then speaking at a, a January term course on noticing at Harvard. In January, hence the January term. Nice. So that's that's coming up. That's a high pressure situation for me, for sure. Really? Okay. Yeah, it's a ton of like Harvard Business School, Harvard Ugh. Kennedy School Ugh. students. Oh, so many boat shoes. Probably all boat so shoes. Many, Probably so all blazers. <laughs> and like shiny cufflinks, also monogrammed. Yeah. It's gonna be cold, but they'll probably still have their sweaters on their waist or on their necks. Yeah. 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 So that's that's what's popping. I got to get some other stuff going on. Um, and I'm going to do a night at the restaurant. It's going to be magic night. It's going to be a Sunday. It's going to be great. Good. You're going to have to keep us posted. Keep yeah. the club posted. Yeah. I'm like super pumped to be on here. It's real fun to yes. talk about yourself in case anyone wants to try it. Yes. And for listeners, we need you to, we need to encourage you to keep doing magic. Yeah, that, hold me accountable. I need an accountability accountable. buddy community. Uh, so uh, thank you for coming. This thank has been you. a delight. It's been a delight. It's been so delightful. Uh, yes, we've made history. Right here, right one, now. Right here, right in now. In this room. Yeah. So to the listeners, uh, thank you for listening, first of all, and joining us. Feel free to reach out to us, moonlettersclub at gmail.com, if you want to send us emails about anything in particular. Uh Try not to send hate mail. We've never received any hate mail, but I don't really want it. <laughs> so, um, moonlightersclub.com is our website. We're on Facebook once for it as well. Um, looking for more people like you who want to share passions with us. Um, we'd love to hear about it and talk about it. So, until next time, thank you. Thanks.